The Mojo Radio Show. We scour the planet to find the biggest names in health, creativity, wellness, strategy, brand, performance, management, and more. Turn this up. This is going to be crazy. This is Jason Overcome Redman. Hey, I'm Dave Acosta. Hi, this is Cal Newport, author of Deep Work. G'day, this is Ryan Park. I'm Batman. This is Ivan Davies from my town. I'm Andrea Burke from the Canadian National Women's Rugby Team. And Lucas Fickendee. This is Tate Fletcher, Tate Fighter. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Or I'll be coming to see you. Then we ask them the big questions. Oh, man, this is such a great question. You've actually landed right on the mark. That's a, another really good question. It's great talking to some clever dudes, frankly. I've gone probably a little bit more in-depth with you than, uh, than I have in the book. I've done, like, 500 interviews, but nobody asked me about this. <laughs> oh, wow. And sometimes we talk about darts. There we go. Can I tell you, Dina, Gary's favourite sport is darts. How athletic is that? I think it's uh, interesting that it's your favourite, but I won't be judgmental. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's the only sport that I know of where a prerequisite is a pint of beer and a cigarette. Come on, let's be honest. The Mojo Radio Show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. So you try throwing a half a dozen darts in a row and just see how you go, uh, my friend. Okay. But we hope you will. Welcome. I got my to the Mojo Radio Show. Hey everybody and welcome to the Mojo Radio Show, the little program designed to get your mojo working in and out of work. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard the bus, the big red bus. We call the Mojo Radio Show. Thank you for downloading us. We actually, I know everybody says this, but we do. We really appreciate it. Heaps and heaps. To all our regulars, we thank you for coming back week after week. 78 countries strong across the globe, apparently, according to some of the stats. Who knows? The gang is all on board. Uh, it's Before we go, should we check our tickets? Uh, Robbo, would you like to collect everybody's tickets, please? All aboard, please. I forgot my little clicker. You know, that you punch the holes in the tickets with. <laughs> You're a sound engineer. Just find a grab from someone. There you go. <laughs> so uh, another big week in the voodoo basement for all of us. Lola, to get us in the mood uh, and to start the bus, <laughs> that's a good, that's a good uh, segue. Mm. What is a good music track, Lola? I'm listening. To start the bus. <laughs> I gotta say, we could play that whole track and finish yeah. the show, and I'd be I'd be happy, man. That was absolutely that's a killer track. That's that's in excess from the Young Einstein soundtrack all those years ago. They did that. That's awesome. There you go. Well done, Lola. Pat good on the cho- back for you. Good choice, Lola. Yeah. Now, now can we get a couple of coffees, Lola? I don't make coffee. Robbo's remarkable fact. It's about time. Let's go. All right. Before we start, Robbo, remarkable fact. What have you got? I have got an absolute cracker yeah, well, this week. We'll, 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 our listeners will be the judge of that. Well, hopefully our Canadian listeners. Hello to the Pekinator. Hopefully he's listening because he'll love this story. In World War II, Canadian soldiers took 35,046 German prisoners of war. But here's the Robbo's amazing fact. At the end of the war... 6,000 of those didn't want to leave. Because at these Canadian concentration camps, prisoners were given paying jobs. They were able to enjoy handball, boxing, wrestling, gymnastics, tennis, skating and more activities. There was so much mutual respect and trust between the guards and prisoners that actually some guards would loan the prisoners their rifles to go hunting for their meat, for their dinner. <laughs> so 6,000 of these guys turned around at the end of the war and went, um, do we have to go? <laughs> I thought you were going to say what was remarkable was you were there. Yes, <laughs> almost. The Mojo Radio Show. Killian, I'll be back. Only in a rerun. Our guest this week is a return guest. In fact, it's fair to say that she is Bach. And Lauren Zander is back. And it's fair to say anyone who remembers Lauren being on the show before or knows of Lauren's work, the number one priority for Lauren is to help us get exactly what we want out of life. Lauren is the author of a great book. It's a worldwide bestseller, Maybe It's You, 
cut the crap, face your fears, love your life. Lauren works with people who are, as you'll hear during the show, the highest of achievers. In fact, people who want to, people who are high, who want to get higher. Thank you to my friends at Queensland. The likes of uh, professors, politicians, award-winning artists, Fortune 500 CEOs, and many, many celebrities who are all looking to make some sort of change. Lauren's style of coaching, as you'll hear, is pretty straight up. She doesn't hold anything back. But that's kind of what we need to get through the crap to get down to what we want in our own world in true happiness. And most importantly, to own our past, own our present and take ownership of the future. So in this show, we'll deep dive into Lauren's no crap style of coaching and we'll get into the most common problems that Lauren hears with people like us who are really getting in getting in our own way. So Lauren, welcome back to the Mojo Radio Show. Very happy to be here. You're a glutton for punishment. This is, I think, your third trip back with us. What's going on? You're an international coach star and you're gracing us with your presence for a third time. It's got to be a record. Uh, I, I think podcasts are like the new radio stations, right? Like, and like, I, I, I love that people care about spoken word and, you know, when do I get to visit Australia? I don't know. When do you? Never. Like, <laughs> right. So it's, it's on my bucket list. And so this is a, basically you boys are as close as I'm getting these days, besides from my relationship <laughs> with, with Hugh Jackman, which is pretty hot, right? Jeez, that's, that's pretty great. That's a pretty good connection. Yeah. When, when I think back, we've had you, on the show a number of times. I guess what I'm curious when we get to revisit with great guests like yourself, Lauren, is in the time since we've seen you, is there is there a particular, let's call it modern-day challenge that you are seeing now that more of your clients are starting to talk to you about? Ah, uh, that's, hold on, let me really, that's a really good question. Um, well, I would, like, the... The amount of men coach, like I coach a lot of men and the Me Too scene is, um, it's actually swings the other way and could be really unfair. Like people can claim it. Like it's, so there, there's a hair, hairy, no pubic hair joke intended. Um, but it's, it's so, and especially since I coach men that like the, the whole notion of, of like how important interpersonal relationships are for growing a business or for, for having a great life. And then the whole kind of male, female, sexual, like what's, what's okay to say and not okay. And say, when did you start? Like, Oh my God. So the more I want people to have deeper intimacy so they can have greater relationships. And then the more uncomfortable men are getting in the culture in the United States, I've been dealing like, you're like, what's happening in the world. I deal with that now. Like I, had a call today and I had to deal with that. If I go to the the philosophies of Rocky, in one of the recent Rocky films, he said mm. to Paulie, he wanted to make a comeback. He said, I still got junk in the basement. Based on what you just said and what you're seeing, do you think many of us are still carrying that junk in the basement? And if, if we do, how, how do we actually get it sorted? How do we get it tidied? Is that something you're seeing, Lauren? Humans do not resolve any of their issues from their past deeply so that they really disappear. Like, so no one's winning any awards in resolving things that they've been scared of, collecting, upsets that they've, you know, like, so, and then how that influences how you operate going forward, right? Like this happened to me in my childhood. This happened to me with this woman. This happened to me, you know, in these dynamics. So how much does that influence what I feel is safe and unsafe about how to act? It's a hundred percent of the problem still. Right. And then there's the culture and how the culture is handling, especially in the U.S., you know, the politics are killing people, the polarizing in the politics and then sex, female, male and, you know, the, you know, and then race, like all the inequities are being, you know, kind of in shakedown mode. And that makes it a little complicated to run a business powerfully. Right. So that, so is that what's in the basement? If that's what's in the basement, there's a, there's a lot in the basement still. So how do we tidy it up? How, how, how do you take people through that you, you see a lot of people, you've been very successful. You have the sense that people have got this junk in their basement. 
Is there a process you take them through? How, how do you approach them either tidying up that basement, putting it in order, or getting rid of some of that junk? Most of my clients who have pro- have, have, have serious problems or have had serious problems, so anyone who's building a business has a history of real issues they've been through. Like, oh, yes, they got sued. Like, there isn't a CEO who hasn't gotten sued, right? And sued for something they'd never, no one wants to get sued for anything. So they're, they're, and that's a haunting. And then that dates back to whatever happened throughout their leadership, because there isn't a leader that didn't start being a leader when they were 12, right? And it, you know, or get the girl or not get the girl. And, and, and all of that background is impacting their future. But a really interesting case is um, someone actually like five or six years, maybe six years ago, had gotten fired for sexual, not sexual harassment, but like some level of some degree of some of it. And then they've been embarrassed ever since. And then, and like basically built a whole different life because of that. But we're still so screwed up from it. And the, but their life was working. They weren't that that like none of it was true anymore, but they still were haunted by all of their past. And so we made a list of everyone he was haunted by. And he just finished the last meeting with one of the last women that he was like, so we went back through his past, made a list of everyone he was scared would say something negative about him. And he went back and resolved it with each and every one of them if they were open to it. So I'll make a person go back, you know, especially this works, especially for any, for like a cheater, someone who cheated on their girlfriends and is still basically a cheater, but wants to figure out how to have real love in their life. And then has a history of being a cheater and they don't really want to have an open relationship. Like, well, why don't you figure out you were never meant to be monogamous? And they're like, I don't want that. Right. So then they have to like, but they, but they don't believe they can be honest or they've never been honest, or they don't want to tell their whole past or resolve their whole past. So that person and I will make them go back through their history and really resolve everything. So I do a lot of work where people um, make amends. It's interesting you mentioned the word love because not long ago you tweeted, is unconditional love the same as true love? We don't think so. In order to have Uh true love, you have to tell the truth and you know what the truth is, true love has conditions. How does how do you help people find that real truth? Because it just seems that many people are lying to themselves. Like we lie to ourselves and then we make out it's the truth. If that's true to get down to unconditional love, it's telling the truth, how do you know it's the truth and how do you find it within yourself? The problem with the truth is it unfolds if you get honest. Huh? What did I just say? So my first truth is, um, I feel awkward. I don't want to be here anymore. Right. But like, I, I, you know, I'm bored. Right. Like the first truth is usually, a, a something uncomfortable. It could be bratty. It could have fear in it. It could have like your first answer is not the goal you would like to achieve or even the attitude you want to have in that moment. But your first truth is, how you feel and what you're worried about and how you perceive other people see you. So what happens is, is unless you really know how you interact and react and get, you can't have any power over what you think might be true. Lauren, I'm going to draw a long straw here for you to connect for me. <laughs> I had a listener. <laughs> I, I had a listener write to me during the week. And he said, ah, oh, great shows recently, blah, blah, blah. And I think the last six shows you've talked about darts. So I'm oh, feeling here we on go. A, yeah, I'm feeling <laughs> on a roll now. And and here, here's here, here's what I'm gonna draw. You said the first the first answer may not be the truth. And we had a guest on the show a couple of weeks ago, a fantastic guy who wrote a book called Fiavana, Akshay Nanavate. And he talked about the Buddha had a philosophy called the second dart, that it's not what happens, it's not str- when something is said or you feel something or someone does something you straight away, it's not that that's the issue, it's then how you respond to it. 
His principle mm. was it's the second dart. So it's not the first thing that you said, the first answer or the first thought you have or the first truth. Yeah. Is that the same thing as you're saying is once you've thrown the first, that's happened, but now step back before you throw the second dart, more likely that's getting closer to the real truth. So with my dart analogy, which came from the Buddha, <laughs> is that in the same yeah. place? Is that, is that what you're talking about? The answer is yeah. I think I think I think I think mine doesn't necessarily assume the second one's all that great either, <laughs> right? Like it. it uh, you'd be watching my. I, you'd be watching I, my my darts game. You'd be watching me play. <laughs> I I am not I am not offering everyone that their second dot is spiritually connected to their higher self. Okay, <laughs> what I care about the most is that humans don't let themselves tell what seems to be their truth in the moment and not trust it, right? So the minute you have a thought, I don't like your hair, I don't like, I don't want to be here anymore, I'm not comfortable, right? I feel awkward, I'm not in the mood to go to a party, right? I don't want to have sex right now, right? I'm lazy. Like the 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 first, when you tell the truth, like that, that, you tell like, is that the higher self-truth? The answer is no. It's the fodder to figure out where you really are. So when I go, so you're like, so a real example is I've been married for 22 years. I have a promise to have sex twice a week, right? I could blow it off. At, like truly, not because I don't love my husband, not because, like not for any good reason, but because I really am a bit of a lazy jerk who would rather watch Netflix. That, that truth, rather watch Netflix. Do I really believe that that's the real me? No, I look at that and go, wow, that's the jerk you. I refuse to be that girl, right? So what I believe in is letting your inner dialogue be revealed so that you can use it to actually figure out what your true self wants, right? It's like literally a step change, right? Like let's hear it long enough to go, what do you really think about that? Right. So you're so I like the dark side coming out first or whatever comes out first or it doesn't even have to be dark. It's like, oh, you know, she's late. She probably has a good reason. Right. Like people have flavors and their flavor gets them in trouble if it's in too much excess. Too nice, too hardcore, too, too anything is too much. Right. And so there's an art to what you want to fulfill on. And so I get people to really get what they want to fulfill on so that they can hear who they're being moment to moment and really navigate their inner dialogue without taking it personally, which is really like, like you're, you're pretty much nothing except you, except what you consent to. And people don't realize how much power is in that. Is that what you refer to when you talk about the puppet show in our head? Lauren, because I've heard you say yes. that people yeah. think the puppet show in their head is right. Just run that for us. Describe that puppet show that's going on inside our heads. So everyone thinks they know who everyone else is or is doing or like it, it's our job to be strategizing whether we hear our strategy cooking or not. Right. Like, oh, the taxi driver. Oh, the the guy at the counter. Oh, that like everyone's personalities are constantly playing inside and then out acting outside. And we're always writing everyone's lines. Right. Like, oh, my God. And we think we're not. Right. Which is even like that's the hysterical part. Like we really don't get it's all inside out. We really think there's this outside in phenomenon. We really do. We're like, oh, he said that, so therefore I went like that. But the only reason you heard it like that is because you thought this when you saw him and he said that. Like it all was inside out first. So the puppet show is the first way for you to get that it's all inside out. I've, I've got a question for your puppet show in your head. I got, I got one too. That's right. <laughs> you said that you carry the lineage of being betrayed in business, which is something that was passed on to you by your grandfather. And it's true. you talk as you carry this lineage with you. And I, I guess I'm curious yes. as to, are you one of the plumbers who goes and fixes other people's plumbing issues but then has a leaky tap at home? Yeah. Why 
Why yeah. have you? Why do you use that language? Why are you not applying that to yourself? Is there a, is there actually a, a psychological oh. reason why it's still there for you? First of all, because we know my issues at the company, I have been banned from certain jobs. So I don't ever make those mistakes again. I have not been betrayed since the last time it happened because we finally figured out the rules of conduct, right? Like we know, like you don't leave a, a, a bottle out with an alcoholic at home, right? Like, what do you, like, you really want to test that shit? Or you want to like, like, is a genius the person that has no, like if you're trying to be on a health diet, you do not, right? You lock the cupboard. Right. Like you don't have to test the theory by seeing if you're strong enough. So there are a few rules that we figured out by all of my missteps and me being accountable for my missteps that I don't get to do that shit anymore. And it hasn't happened since. So when you know what your issues are, you actually don't repeat them. So if you put those systems in place so you don't repeat them, how important Mm -hmm. then is your inner dialogue, your inner puppet show where you will openly say, I carry this with me, which to me sounds like it's still alive within you. Are you saying that Uh, if I have the systems in place, it's okay for me still to talk that through a puppet show? Like where, is there a disconnect there? It's more like, it's, it's actually more like the philosophy of, you know, the alcoholic who talks about their issue and they're not acting on behalf of it anymore at all, but they are responsible for it for the rest of their life. Like, oh, I've been, so I still talk about having been a cheater. Like I cheated on every man I dated till I was, I think, 20, 23, right? Um, And the more I can talk about being like, I, you know, I never cheated again, but not because I don't see cute boys going by, right? But because it's, because I have that shit down and locked down and I understand what it cost me and I understand how to be responsible for it. And I make fun of myself for being such a ex hound, right? And, and I connected back to my dad who was a hound back in his day, right? So, you know, owning your lineage lets you be responsible for it and respectful for it. And I love self-deprecating revelation. Right. Like, I think that's what's missing on Earth is more leaders not pretending they have their shit together, but actually being responsible for the shit they have would really make everybody feel less like, you know, they're superior people and inferior people. The more you know what makes me inferior, the more we all can be superior together versus that there's inferior and superior. You know, just I'll take that off ramp there just for a second. You talked You have a reputation as a coach (laughs) of being very upfront and you're a no BS approach to how you deal with people. And yet it seems in conversations or interactions today that we we always seem to want to tread on eggshells. And if you are upfront and you are talking, as you just mentioned, with CEOs or, or corporate leaders, are we... Is all this stuff sending the wrong message to either our team that we have to tread on eggshells? But I think even worse, the thing that concerns me the most is what are we doing to our kids where we just seem to be, have to be so correct and careful about what we say and tread on eggshells? Are we ultimately sending the wrong message for generations to come? Mm. So first of all, I am teaching the opposite of what you just said. I, by saying I like for, so I really have, CEO go like, so if you go, Lauren, tell me about something that everyone knows about you. That's embarrassing, but everyone accepts it because we've all like, you're not changing that thing. And it's, you self-deprecate. You don't go, I have every right. I'm the boss, right? You go, I'm a goofball. I don't do this. So everyone does, do you all accept what you have to do to deal with me is a very different style of leadership than walking on eggshells. There's no eggshells. People know, we all know each other's issues. We all can talk about them, call them out. We have a sense of humor about them. And no one's expecting you to, like, unless you want to fix it, it's not going to get fixed. And if that's going to get you fired, you're already fired. Right? So if you go, so here's an example of one of my goofiest ever. You know, so people read emails, right? I Rumor has it, people read emails. Right? I, I Lauren Zander, only reads homework from clients and it has to be printed for me 
And you're like, ew, save the trees. And I'm like, sorry, guys. I'm a really weird tech. I can barely read unless it's in front of me. And I, I like, I have to absorb it that way, right? You're like, what's wrong with the screen? I'm like, I don't ask me, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a weirdo, right? And so with, that's how it rolls. So if you send me an email, I'm not gonna fucking, if it's like longer than two sentences, I'm not reading it. You have to call me. We have to have a call. We have a, like, so every, so we, my entire system runs around what I just said, but I'm not telling you I'm brilliant or that that's sexy or cool of me. I'm telling you I'm a goofball, right? And I have goofy habits, except everyone knows them. So then they're truly accepted, right? And so everyone's allowed to have them, even if you're my executive assistant. So I kind of think what I'm teaching is people to tell the truth and to make workarounds or, right, and make real workarounds so there's no shame. That's interesting, something you said there. You're very auditory, aren't you? So you must love your music. You must be able to recall lyrics. You must enjoy conversations with your husband. Because... I only, like, yeah, that's it. That, thank you. That was uh, that you just summed me up. And I like exercise and sometimes my kids. <laughs> no, but it's interesting because it's, it's such a, a prevalent point for parents to understand how their kids learn and not assuming. Because I, I remember seeing an article of a guy who ran a very big company called BHP, a big mining company here in Australia. And he said, people waste their time sending me long emails. He said, if they knew me well, they catch me in the corridor, have a five-minute conversation, and they get what they need, and I'd understand it, they'd understand it. But they send me these long-winded emails, or they send me these 27-page documents, which I never read. And what he was saying was they hadn't taken the time to understand how that person processes or learns. And I just think it's, a, it's an interesting thing for parents as well with kids, because some kids get in trouble for not paying attention when they could be a visual learner, but the teacher at the front of the room is n- not visually appealing, is just r- talking at them <laughs> and the kid gets in trouble. It's not the kid's fault. So I think what you just said, you know, for all of us is a really, um, it's a really good insight. What we're talking about right now that I teach, right? Like I have it in a class form and I teach it to people and I, I run little seminars on it or big seminars on it is called freak flags. Like most people don't understand that why they break up with people, why they can't handle each other or really even make great bonds is because they don't admit their freak flags, fly them high, get what they're never going to change or you are going to change and like negotiate with each other's freak flags. And everybody's trying to fix each other's freak flags and they're never getting fixed. People look at coaches like yourself, Lauren, and go, you've got it together, great client list, super successful, lots of consultants working with you. And I guess what I'm interested to know is what what have you gotten wrong with your coaching? Because we think that, I mean, the thing that frustrates me today is some coaches been and read two books and suddenly it's an easy way to be a digital nomad, I'm going to be a coach. And they got actually, you know, they got no background, no history, Uh haven't messed up. Apart from the stuff we've talked about thus far, what have you gotten wrong, say, in the last 12 months with this, this era we're in of coaching and helping people? What have you noticed in yourself that you go, you know what, I've changed my opinion on that. My, my ideals on how I approach stuff are wrong or not, not, let's just say not correct and you've made a change. <sighs> the funny part is, is I just, I just got crazy happy about my, like I've been unhappy for years about certain things that I was failing at and I finally just got somewhere with what I had been failing at for years. Does it make sense? Like, it's like, I, fi- I like literally everyone will tell you, Lauren just got happy for the first real time, like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> right. Like, so last So what was months. it? Can, can um, you share that? Or is that too deep a jump? Oh yeah. So yeah, I no, no. I love, I, when I say you can ask me anything and I'll tell you anything <laughs> fucked up, I will tell you anything and everything you want to know. Like you, you should go, yeah, exactly. you, should, you should really, you can ask me anything. Like you could go anywhere you want. But, um, I had two, like one could yell at me that I didn't just perfect one or two things and, and build something. You know how you could have a 
a smaller building and go straight up, like a, a like a mm. silo and go straight up versus building like the entire, like I need an education division. I need a corporate division. I need an education division for, for under 18 and for graduate school and high school, right? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. So I built a foundation that was so trying to reach everything that it took me 20 years to, 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 to be relevant and finally break through, right? Like, it's like, whereas if one more person tells me you should have just built a fucking corporate business, like honey, like if you just built two of your silos, you were trying to build eight at the same time. Can't you see that Lauren Xander? And I'm like, (laughs) I can see that now. (laughs) You get that, right? Like, what, like, if you just built one first and, and did incredibly well in the one, couldn't you have done the other ones after? Or did you really have to try and spread yourself that level of a foundation and then build up? Because it took you twice as long to lay all those bricks, right? So that, that I, someone should deck me on that, right? Um, so that's my note for myself. But 20 years later, it's finally like, hey. <laughs> Hey, like we broke ground, like we got out of the foundation part. Now I seem to be up in the air, right? Like, but that really took a long time. Is there an area of your life, Lauren, that you still doubt yourself on? Because you, you have done great work. You constantly sound like you're critiquing yourself in order to improve. Is there still an area Uh that you go, yeah, if if you are brutally honest with yourself, you'd say you still doubt yourself on? The list of things I want to accomplish before I die is so insane, it's hysterical. So I never get out of doubt because I'm not on, do I have the gifts or do I have the chutzpah or the energy or the people? Like there is, I am missing nothing in my ability to get that, but, but the results will not be in till the moment before I die. Like literally the last blink. And I am nowhere till that moment because the list has to get done. And I am desperate to get my list done. And my list is desperate because it believes in changing the entire world. Like I, I, you know, like you can't imagine how crazy my list is. Here, I'll give you an example. Yeah. (laughs) You know, religion, you've heard of religion, right? Religion turns into history. And spirituality has a new like life force to it. What? It, it, like literally I'd like to chop off all, I'd like to chop up all religions first, beautiful rituals and parts and, and not have religion. I would like humanity to believe in themselves and use all the rituals for human greatness, humankind, like greatness by humans. And then I make the next joke. Well, we have all, everyone likes to come together and sing and dance. Like everyone likes a good church or temple. The buildings are already built. Let's just throw out the damn book, right? Like, so I'm crazy on what I want to see change. And, and the moment I die, I get to look at my history and go, how far did I get? So you're like, how you doing, Lauren? You seem great. And I'm like, dude, I'm nowhere. <laughs> do, you, do, believe, do you believe in yourself you can do it, Lauren? Is there, is there an element of doubt in your mind or are you just, I've got this step back? Um. The va- well, the old, like, so if you go, where are you sitting right now? And if you go, if, if I named, if I drop name, if I name drop where I'm sitting right now and who I'm talking to right now, like who my cast of characters that I'm getting to coach, um, you would go, I, I go, I think, thank God I got old because I finally am somewhere, right? Like enough time into something that, that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours business seems to be correct. Right, because I seem to be sitting in a very nice spot helping someone who can change the world because they can afford to. And I mean the world. Right. So I'm I'm like getting somewhere with who I'm getting to coach. So yes, I do think I have more proof than ever I will get to do my dream, but I do not get to give up for half a second. And I don't even get to I get to believe I did it 
and can't believe I did it and be human about it and raise my kids and sleep with my husband, you know, and go to Burning Man, right? I have to have the best life and rock the world all at the same two seconds. Yeah, it's funny. It makes me think of something. You posted something on Instagram and you said, I teach you how to fight for your dreams. And what you're talking about here is putting rubber on the road where you are in the fight right now to achieve your dreams. Why why do people need people like you to help them fight for their dreams? Why is it not, I don't want to get to my deathbed not having done it? Yeah. I just think we're not learning the right thing in education. Like I think, I think the human capacity to believe in themselves and do great is epically available. It's just like, and which class did Daisy have, my child? Like not one of my children talks about the self in class yet. Like my kid's 17. She still has no relate. Like there is no self. There is no being. There is like study this, read this, repeat. Like we're teaching humans to be parents who can write in some form. Like it's, it, so I don't think education covers spirit of how different and eclectic and special humans are, not even close. So I think I would kind of blame education. Thanks. Like I would like to take over changing schools and how they talk to my, my humans, right? Like all of us. And I would like to like, and I would like to change marriage, right? Because it's all at home and most people are desperately unhappy in their marriages. Nothing, not their fault. But like missing how to love, how to talk, how, what, what your parents did to you. Why'd you pick the person you picked? Who should you be picking? How do you build a great mm. relationship? How do you build a great sex life? No one's talking about these things, right? I'm, I'm, we're so late to the important part of the party, which is raising humans to be great. On that, do you think we should be raising generalists or specialists? For example, a doctor needs to be a specialist, but can you see a time where a GP could actually be a true generalist to be able to talk about the stuff that you specialize in and do nutrition and do medicine and do movement and do mental health and do psychology, physiology. Are you a specialist person or are you a general? I am a special, I'm a specialist person. If I had to really vote to what makes a human happy, they love, like it isn't like you, like you may want to be great at four things. Right. But you're not trying to be great at everything. And as a matter of fact, you only like doing most people only like to do what they're really good at. And then they have to do everything else. Right. And then they do feel like if you can't, if you're not well rounded, right, like this rounding business has been making people bell curve lamely for life. Right. So if, you know, I love what I'm great at and I don't, I'm not great at many things. And I don't think every human is great at many. So generalists want to be great at lots of things, but there's like versus being epic at three things that they really are in love with. But could those three things be a form of generalism whereby combining those three different things, you become a specialist in what you do? I would love, I would just love people to get to design it themselves. Like in my company, working at my company does not mean there's like this job you have to fill. And that you can't, right? So I don't, I run my company at people, like we craft it around what what we need, but really the human who's wants to do what they're great at, right? I want people to do what they love. I think love, like love is the answer, but you know, for real. (laughs) (laughs) There's a statement you use and I think you use it with your clients. And the statement is, I wish I was. What's the psychology? How do you use that, Lauren? When you can speak about yourself in the past, like I wish I was, like what do you wish you were? I wish I was the greatest, and then fill in the blank, the greatest musical legend. I'm like, really? Like who? Prince? Right? Like where are we? Right? And then, okay, great. So then what happens is, is when you can figure out the end game. Like you're already dead now. We're in the, like, oh, we're at the pearly gates and it's all over. What did you wish you, like, whatever you wished you were is the the last sentence you say. And now we can get, you're a 19 year old headed for there. Like, so you, I, most people don't, like most people are like, well, I got this far. What should I do next? 
Does that make sense? Like your, your life is like climbing up a ladder, not seeing the whole ladder and figuring out what rung you are on. And so I want people to go to the end to see where they are today. You know, there are people listening who are going, this is all great, Lauren. It's all good for you. Yeah. And Aww. they <laughs> they, and they would say they're in hell. And as one of our favorite bands, ACDC, wrote, you know, there is a highway to hell. And oh. many people, many of us at times of our lives yes. have been on that highway. I guess the question then is, yes. is there a road out of hell? And what's the stepping Absolutely. stone for somebody who goes, man, I'm just in a dark place right now. How do I, how, how do I start to get myself out of this? I started working this past, like in the last two weeks. Okay. I'm doing a favor for a very good client, someone who used to be very successful, um, actor who now literally ruined themselves. Like their career, like they are in the toilet bowl. Okay. Like, like truly. Okay. So everybody believe me and you go, well, what did you make? Like, how are you getting them out of the toilet bowl? And I'm like, everyone's not ready. It's so simple. She has to send me her inner dialogue. She has to give up sugar. I like, I literally, I take over the diet. I take over the to-do list for the day. And I get to hear the negative inner dialogue that you're still beating yourself up with. And, and that literally I get, I hear, I, I need that. Like, so you go back to basics. When do you go to sleep? What are you saying to yourself? What are you eating? Exercise. I finally got them surf, like doing their favorite ex. Like I got costs very little money, but to take over the most basic things. So anyone who's crazy suffering, like in the middle of crazy suffering, the basics, I promise, are sucking. Your inner dialogue sucks. What you're eating probably sucks. And how you're inter, like, get off the screen, do that, like, take over. Someone needs to take over your daily life. Because once you start actually, like, within two weeks, if you go, how's she doing now? Literally, she's so much better because she, she stopped. Every time you eat a cookie because you're, you're screwed up, or every time you take a drink, because you're unhappy proves you need a drink and you're unhappy, which gets the next drink. So if you go, I'm not going to drink till I'm happy. It changes the entire paradigm. So it's, it's shockingly easy to change the paradigm, but you have to start at the basics and you have to call things out that you're doing on the court that, you know, feed how come you're miserable but it's really like the least you could do is get a drink. The least you could do is eat the cookie. The least you could do is, you know, not like watch more television, right? Like whatever, whatever your vices are, they need to stop. There's something I've been, I've been listening, observing the last couple of months. So I spoke to a guy who is carrying too much weight. Uh, Like physically. Yeah. And he wasn't happy about it. And Uh I said, with your, when your kids look at you and you look in the mirror, as David Goggins, the, who wrote Can't Hurt Me, would say, look in the mirror of truth, and you know that you're not representing what you want for your kids, what do you say to yourself, the mirror of truth? He said, I ignore the mirror. He said, I don't like the mirror. I haven't looked in a mirror for a year. Uh-huh. I spoke to another guy who started his own business, and he's, a, he's going to be an author as a consultant. And I said, well, you're creating your own brand. But then when he created his website, he used another brand name, which had nothing to do with him, although he's going to be an author. And I said, why would you do that? He said, because I don't much like myself. <clears throat> and another guy carrying too much weight, I said, you know, when you step on the scales, where are you at? And he said, I just don't look at the scales. I just uh, keep plowing on. And... These are very intelligent, smart, successful people in some areas of their life. Yet, it just after what hearing you say that these stories come into mind of people that I think a lot of us just don't much like ourselves. How, how do we start to like ourselves? Because surely that's got to be a part of the root cause. Of this is we don't much like ourselves. How do we start to embrace ourselves and give ourselves some some love? So first of all. If we go back to freak flags, 
there are things about yourself that you are never changing and you have to, like, you have to fly it high. Like, I'm going to be 60 pounds overweight for the rest of my life means I'll probably die young. I will not be, like, do you understand? Like, if you own your freak flag, then everyone around you isn't trying to fix you or change you, including yourself. Okay. And if you're not going to do the work, right, then you need to, you need to self-accept hardcore. And if you can't self-accept hardcore, no matter how much, you know, you're 60 pounds overweight, you're eating that, but you still like hate yourself. You're walking around and your inner dialogue like picks on your shadow, right? You can't even walk down the street without calling yourself fat or uncomfortable. Then you're lying. You have to fix it. Okay, so that's principle number one. Accept something, embrace it. If you don't want to fix it, get everyone to accept it and start to like do, but if you're hiding from the mirror because you're, that's a sign that you wish you would fix it. If you won't look at your bank account because you're nervous how much is left in there, that's a sign you're not doing the right work, right? So indicators are indicators, right? A lack of self-love is an indicator on a freak flag you wish you would fix. Kind of simple, right? So if you're bitching at yourself, now watch how interesting this gets because it has a catch 22 to it, which is really going to be disturbing, but it's true. Okay. So true because it goes really well with what you're saying too. So then there's this really brutal truth. Okay. And And I'm right with, so I'm coaching someone who just lost 90 pounds. And they have 60 to go. Okay. Very, very successful human being. Like truly. And I, and at the 90 pound mark where he looks a hundred percent better, happier, like life is so much better. Right. I got him to get, and he's not, and he's not, and he's like into it. Like he's, he's into it. Like, he, like we can now have realer conversations and I let him know that there's a, there's a funny, terrible truth coming, which is there will be the day when you finally, so he got, and it took a long time for him to get on the scale. And when he finally got on a scale, on the scale, he cried. Like he was so moved and trust me, this man doesn't cry, right? He was moved to tears that he finally broke free of himself and got why and all of it. And, and really what happens is, is that people were raised by addicts and in really hard situations, they liberate themselves in lots of ways, but the, the addict is in some area or other. And his father's alcoholic was located in his food addiction. So then I get him to get that, you know, what's going to happen, honey. And he's like, what? I go, one day you're going to step on that scale and you're really going to be your 195 and you're free and you know, you did all the work and you're, and you're going to be happy right? Like you deserve to be happy because you did all the work. But then this awful truth is going to come in, which is it's an inside, it's your inner dialogue and how you talk to yourself, right? So like not until you're at 195, can you work on self-love? You had to lose the 130 pounds to get to a place where you could really work on true self-love. Does that make sense? So even when you get there, it doesn't mean you arrived. It just means you handled the physical integrity issue. So it's a person who has an insane amount of money who still feels poor. Now, obviously, it's a much better time to figure out how to deal with how you feel poor when you have an insane amount of money in the bank. (laughs) Right? But there, right, you could get like, oh, finally, you know, the woman that I love loves me and she's, you know, I, I, I deserve her or do I really deserve her? And now you're like, she's staying, I'm staying. And then you have to deal with like, why don't I feel like I deserve this love, right? Like you can't get there till you have it. So first part is do the work. Second part is get the joke, which then gave why you could have accepted it in the first place. Does that make sense? It's like a, a yin-yang circle and a half. I think it's really powerful. I, I, I do. I think that's a, actually a really powerful way to frame it for us, Lauren. Uh, oh, where- good. Where do people find out more about you, Lauren? Where do they go to? So my company is the, uh, is Handel Group, H-A-N-D-E-L, Handel Group, and that's because um, it's my it's my maiden name, 
And my sister and I started the company together and we always wanted to keep something alive of hand down because we really loved my family, loved my grandfather um, and my dad and that whole side. So that's the Handel Group. And then the best thing to do is my digital course where I lead master classes. Everyone could be anywhere all over the world. I understand I'll be teaching at six at night and it'll be nine in the morning for you people or whatever time it is. But you can come do our master class and it's the most affordable. And um, But you know, we have so many things available. So just go look us up or buy my book. That's cheap. <laughs> well, I think you've set a record for coming back. I think we've had Smithy back on the, on the online a couple of times, but I've yeah. ne- never as a full guest of the show. So I think yeah. you actually have set a Mojo oh. Radio Show record, Robert. Do I get to come back again? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because I'm actually going to do a Lauren on Lauren. You mentioned that when you take on clients, you take over their lives. So I'm going to take over yours and make you fill in one of the lists on your bucket list. You can come back on the show anytime you like, but you have to be in the studio with Gary and I. (gasps) So you have have to to get your ass to Australia, which is on your bucket list, to come on the show again. How's that? (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I'm on it. I'm cut. But you understand, the only way I get to Australia, so everyone who's listening, hi, hi, people. Hi. <laughs> here the comes the cell. Right. Here we go. Ready? Hi. Hi there. Right? Like, so right now I'm sitting in Hawaii because someone flew my little tuss there. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I, f- I fly business class and then keeps me and then uses me. Right? So if like, I really am happy to get on a plane and, and be, be needed somewhere, but someone's going to have to want me. Right? Like, right. I, like, uh, but, right. right? So anybody who's listening. Challenge is right. out well, there. Well, We'll work on come that. On. Bit. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll throw. I'll throw. I'll throw you another bone. When if you come down, if you come down to Australia, we'll do the show live from Bondi Beach. How's that? I'll, as an audio engineer, oh. I'll organise it. We'll sit on the beach and awesome. do the show. There you go. Oh done. my god, that sounds awesome. I love a challenge. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Robo in budgie right, smugglers. I, there are some things you can't understand. <laughs> I think I'll be there. Let's see if we can make it happen next year. All right, right? I'm going to be well, next year. I am undercover agent Jay Dobbins. I spent two years living amidst the Hells Angels, but it was nothing like spending one hour on the Mojo Radio Show. I know why she keeps coming back. She would have to be one of my favourite guests we've had on this show over the years. Tell you what, too bad jacked up on coffee beans. Yes. Man, <laughs> imagine, imagine if you had Lauren, who was jacked up on coffee beans oh, after three or four. Can you imagine? Fish River Roast Short Blacks. And uh, could you imagine like the Energizer Bunny? The drill sergeant cracking the whip behind you as you go. Absolutely. Mm. Good content though. Getting your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. Some time back, we ran a marketing and brand social experiment. For anybody who is newer to the show over the last year or so. You'll, you'll probably have picked up that we don't have any sponsors. We don't have any advertising, sadly. But we, we used to muck around for the first probably four seasons. And we used to, because we had no advertising and no sponsors, we'd muck around and say, oh, thank you to our friends at A Mexican Beer. <laughs> and over four years, we never got a letter from them. We never got a compliment from them. We never got any free beer from them. Not so, even a bone. Robbo and I decided to do a little social experiment. We changed our brands and we went to a brand, a Mexican brand of beer, who are one of the oldest, which is interesting, one of the oldest, and <laughs> we just love everything about this brand. It's called Doseki. And we, Robbo, actually, Robbo put this fantastic promo together that we ran on the air for a couple of weeks. And this is based on Doseki had this incredible campaign on YouTube, which they ran on mainstream media in the United States of America. And it was called The Most Interesting Men in the World. Robo made this, which was about the most interesting men in podcasting. Their charm is non-existent. Years ago, they worked in radio. Today, they don't remember a moment of it. They are the only grown men ever to fail a preschool spelling test. Every time they go for a swim, women and children run for their lives. Alien abductors return them to Earth with the words, 
we do not understand tattooed on their foreheads. If they were to give you directions, you'd end up at the closest pub, no matter where you really wanted to go. Their smell precedes them. The way of fart precedes watering eyes. They are the most interesting men in podcasting. Ah, those were the days. <laughs> and the reason this is interesting for us here is as a social experiment and a lesson of beer is that a lesson of beer. <laughs> within a couple of weeks, Doseki had heard it via Dan Murphy's a big retailer here in Australia, mm-hmm. loved it, sent us an email, then sent us a personal letter, like snail mail letter and two cartons of beer. And the lesson for me is that I meet people all the day writing strategy and they will write their strategy for the next year or two years or three years and I go, who are your competitors? What do you mean? I said, well, if if I'm not going to use you, who would I use? If I wasn't going to drink your beer, who else would I drink? And I then asked them, well, how are they positioned? What's their positioning statement? What are they trying to own? What are they famous for? What's their backstory? Where are they going? What are the tactics they're using right now? And I go, I don't know. And it just staggers me and I see it all the time that companies have all this stuff they're doing, which is a bit like being on a rocking chair. You know, it, it, it gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. Mm. And I just think that what I loved about Dos Equis was that they had their people on the ground, their retailers, and we had a great listener, Rodney, who heard it, mentioned it, then they actioned it, and to this day they're still – well, we don't have any sponsor advertising, but we still drink their beer. <laughs> they actually haven't given us any money, but they gave us some beer, so that's pretty good. <laughs> in, in fact, I think we've given them more money than they've given us in because we, poss- we buy possibly our have. Bar, bar fridge. <laughs> I have had dozens of photos from all over the world from Mojo Radio Show listeners yeah. on a Friday or Saturday night toasting yeah. with a Dos Equis. So yeah, here you go. the lesson is if you're writing strategy, you need to know who are your competitors, what are they doing, and you need to have your ear to the ground. And when somebody somebody starts to throw you a bone, action it because a letter and just a thank you goes a heck of a long way. The Mojo Radio Show. We have not had any sponsors advertising on the show. However, we do have Patreon and we thank all our Patreon supporters, Adam and Debbie, Jackie, Jeremy, Steve, all the crew, uh, Tom, Wade. There's a whole bunch of them who support our show and make it all possible. I The reason I raise this is a bit of a segue from Doseki into this is that I had a note from one of our Patreon supporters during the week and he said the explosive hits 2019, in his words, was epic. Three hours of the best at the best. It took us, gee, almost a whole day between us to put the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. You get that when you subscribe on Patreon and support the show. That's why we don't have any advertising or sponsorship because that's the way we like it and people who support us on Patreon want to keep the show going. So check it out. This is what Explosive Hits is all about. The Mojo Radio Show has been keeping this under lock and key. Explosive Hits 2019. It's a priceless collection of Mojo changing hits with Noel Razor Smith. Ten years the things you learn in your criminal life in the straight line. Amy Moran. You have something like 65,000 to 70,000 thoughts a day. A lot of them are going to be negative. A lot of them are filled with self-doubt. Explosive Hits 2019. 22 glittering stars with Tate Fletcher. Stop lying to yourself. That's what I would say first of all. You've got to stop lying. Ivor Davies, Maria Gronberg, Simon Marshall, and classic Karek Ashley. Because most people, they're living their life like there's no ramification to it. Think of the worst case scenario, and you go, that's it, I'm done. Explosive Hits 2019 with Dave Acosta. Now you're recognizing that being more aware is actually rewarding in a good way to you. Explosive Hits 2019. It's a pure gold collection. A bucket load of our greatest hits. 
minutes waiting for you on the Mojo Radio Show Patreon page. Out now from KTEL. At the back of that, we should shout out to Ian Lofty Fulton, the most amazing voiceover talent on the planet, for voicing that for free for us. Thank you, sir. I think you just did. The Mojo Radio Show. So to take us out, Lola. I'm listening. Because Lauren talked about the truth, the lies we tell ourselves, the puppet show inside our head, give us some music tracks to think of that work around the word lies. Uh, come on, Lola. Predictable. Your programming's better than that. Good song. Don't know that it's our vibe. Do you know that song? I'm surprised. So, uh, all right, Lola, we're not going too good here. Uh, let's talk about the voice inside our head or truth or lies we tell ourselves. What else have you got? She's stuck on an in-excess bent this week, young Lola. You're swayed by that, aren't you? I am swayed by that. I'm a bit of an in-excess fan. Well, actually, I'm I'm in-excess and Michael Hutchins in particular. But yes, definitely. Lola, we don't normally do this, but if there's a fourth rock track... Oh, you can't do that. Actually, in fact, fact, Lola, you can get a bit creative here. You have creative licence, Lola, is that what do you think would be a great track to take us out about the lies that we tell ourselves and getting... Beyond the lies to the truth. Ooh, not bad. That's Slash. You know, I've got a bit of a leaning towards that. I think it's a killer song. And to drop a name, Rusty Graham and I drank bourbons in the studio with Slash. And the lead singer from Slash's Snake Pit. So I am a bit of a Slash fan, to be honest. Well, let's indulge you this week then. Right.
Mojo Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.